Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives A couple little programming notes before we get started So... It's the holiday season. As you know, Christmas around the corner and then New Year's. This is always kind of a weird time for people in podcast world because downloads really don't people just basically just don't really download podcasts <laughs> in that in that week and a half span. Very, very few. So uh, you'll see a lot of podcasters out there will put out less podcasts kind of in this next week, week and a half, and we are gonna be no different. So definitely gonna still put out shows. We're gonna go to one a week this week. So you're listening to this one, so you're already there. And then next week, we'll put out one on Monday as well. And then we'll get back to our normal twice-a-week scheduled podcast in the new year. Um, That doesn't change the kind of guests we're going to have, the kind of episodes we're going to have. Still super excited for all the guests that we get to have on this show. And the next two weeks are really no different. So today we have Tracy Hunter. Tracy is someone who I had the chance to meet in Richmond. Awesome, awesome woman who has been doing marathons for a while, but now, as a master's runner, is running better than ever. And I'll tell you what, so oftentimes we hear stories like that, but oftentimes it's because there's been this huge gap in time where people like you know took off from running or maybe they ran at a certain point in their life and then didn't for a longer period of time and then they get back to it as a master, which is fun and exciting in its own way. Tracy really wasn't like that as much. She did take a little bit of a break, um, you know, giving birth and, and, and all of those things, which is a huge deal, but ultimately has been relatively consistent in her marathoning. And yet here she is running her best times ever. I was excited to hear more about that for sure. And as you'll hear at the end, we spend a pretty good amount of time talking about the Abbott World Marathon Masters Championships and everything that goes into that. This is something that was supposed to happen or really get started three years ago. You might remember a podcast I did with Susan Loken talking about this. And because of COVID and everything related to that, it kind of got shelved for a while, but it's back now and it's really exciting. So we take a deep dive into that. So I know you're going to like this episode. Before we get into it, I do want to shout out Brio, my favorite recovery company, the handheld massager, working it. Just love that little thing. And the foot massager as well. I can't say enough about all of this stuff. We all know how important massage is to recovery. And even, and this is where I love it, for warm-up, right? Especially if you're an early morning runner, getting those things going. Just spend a quick five minutes using the hand massager. It really makes a difference. Then at night uh, as well, and so many of you not only run and run a lot, but you have jobs where you're on your feet all the time. Well, baby those suckers, they deserve it. You deserve it. So go to us.brio.com forward slash rambling runner. That's Brio as in B-R-E-O. So us.brio.com forward slash rambling runner to save 20% on your order today. If you get both of these things, you're going to be saving upwards of like 40 bucks. I mean, that's, it's a legit savings. That's for sure. So let's get into this podcast with Tracy Hunter. Tracy Hunter, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So we've known each other kind of like through the internet for a while, and I love following you as a runner. And prior to today, I would say this was the first time that we would, you know, speak in this in this kind of setting. But that's not true because you and I actually had a chance to meet 
down in Richmond. Not only that, man, I got to chauffeur your butt around a little bit before that race. Yeah, that was awesome. I had so much fun at Richmond, and it was great to get to meet you and Bart Yasso and Kira D'Amato and your whole clan there. I don't know why I said it like that. Chauffeur your butt around. That, that, that's... <laughs> Sometimes I start these pods. I try to like bring the excitement and the energy in the beginning. And sometimes I just, I overshoot it a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm so excited because this, this, that was a great weekend. That was so much fun. Um, meeting you was great. And I still feel bad. Like I came home and I cleaned my car after that because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> truth be told, I had to move the car seats. And as parents know, your car can look clean until you lift up a car seat. And then you're like, oh, good God. Right. This thing wasn't even close to clean. And that's basically what happened in that in that situation. It was it was fine. There's always hidden food in my car in my car too. You know, you pick up a blanket and you're like, "Oh, an old candy wrapper with something in there." And- <laughs> right. I know. It's so true. And it's all food that the kids have requested. You're like, "How did this not end up in your belly?" I don't understand. Like, I didn't This wasn't like an apple core, right? This right. was all like candy stuff. <laughs> An old French fry. You can find anything. Oh, my God. It is so true. All right. So we're going to get into so many things. And I can't I, – part of me, like, wasn't sure exactly how to, 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 to start this conversation because there's so many interesting things to talk about. I guess I'll start it here, is that you have been a runner for a long time. You've been a marathoner for a long time. And yet you are now the maybe the best you've ever been. As a runner, which is really exciting as, as so, who, someone who is also a master's runner, just like you, oftentimes we see master's runners who are at their peak compared to previous PRs. A lot of times that's because maybe they started a little bit later in life or they had this extended break. And so all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, I'm better as a master. But part of that is because I had, you know, I wasn't consistent the whole time. And now I'm finally getting into it. However, I feel like your story might be a little different. And I really want to drill down into it because it seems like you were, you know, again, not that typical, like, all right, I didn't run, but then I got into it and now I'm great because, you know, but who knows where I would have been if I had run earlier. So let's dive into it a little bit because, you know, you shared before on, on, on Instagram, which was, you, know, you, you do a great job of chronicling your running there, that, you know, you ran your first Boston Marathon at age 24 and that was 19 years ago. So you've been at this a while. Yeah, so I started running um, my freshman year at Purdue just for fun. I used to be a swimmer, and then I got burnt out and you know went to college and gained a little bit of weight, and then I was like, I'm just going to start running and see where that takes me. And so I just picked up running the summer of my freshman year, and um, you know, just I don't even know what pace I went because they didn't have GPS watches or anything like that. So I just went to my local YMCA track. And you would do loops per mile and I would go, you know, whatever, just do my run and go home. And I have no idea what I, what I was doing. And um, I kind of kept running throughout college just for fun and never did any races or anything. And then my senior year, so that was in um, 1998, my friend messaged me and she was like, hey, I'm going to do Chicago Marathon. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, yeah, why not? And like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely no idea. And um, I don't even know what I did for training, but it definitely was not enough. And I went to Chicago and did what everybody does for their first, most people, most amateur runners. You know, you die a terrible, nasty death. 
and you have to walk half of it, and I did it in five hours and 15 minutes, and I, you know, when I finished, I was like, sign me up for another one. That was the best thing ever. It felt so rewarding, and I just, I loved the marathon distance. It is, um, there's just something about it. That's not exactly where I thought that sentence was going to go. We're talking about early death and, oh, hey, like this was really a, a big struggle. And yet, sign me up again, man. That's that's exciting. Is that, that's, that's interesting when you hear that because you hear the dichotomy of like, this was really hard and painful. And yet, here I want to do it again. So what about that difficult experience really brought you into wanting to, hey, sign me up for another one? Just watching. So... It, you know, my first marathon, and that was oddly my first race ever. I went straight to the marathon distance. I had never run another race. So I was like, um, the crowds are amazing in Chicago. You can watch runners do amazing things. You know, that's the first time I had ever seen an elite runner in person. And um, it just, I don't know, it you know, lured me in and I wanted to get better. Basically, I knew there was a lot of improvement that I could make and I wanted to do better. Um, and so I just continued throughout my, you know, the next few years, just training for Chicago Marathon. And so I went from a 515 and then my second marathon was a 409 in Chicago. And I cut, so I cut an hour, which is pretty unheard of, you know, but, um, and then I just wanted to keep getting better and better and always knowing that there's just room for improvement. And so um, I just kept training. I looked up, I think, so basically when I was in college, the internet had kind of just started. So there were, you know, maybe Hal Higdon's plan you could find online or, you know, not very many, uh, not, not much support online for that sort of thing. But I did find Hal Higdon's and I was like, okay, I need to run a 20 miler here and then. I'm good to go. And I think by my third marathon, I finally broke four hours. That's exciting. So were you a, I know you mentioned before that you were a swimmer. Are you an inherently competitive person or did you find other reasons to really enjoy these long runs and, and these, you know, kind of consistent efforts over the first few years? Um, I think it's a combination of both. Like I started swimming when I was six and I did it and I loved competing and I loved working, I love working hard. So I love the training aspect of anything. So like sw for swimming, I always trained super hard. And then, you know, the race is just kind of the, the icing on the cake, basically, if it can pull together and you have a great race, then that's what happens. But, um, for running for me, there's a little bit more involved and it definitely helps my mental health. You know, it's like, if you're stressed out, you go on a run. If you're feeling sad, you go on a run. And it always seems to, make you feel better. Yeah, for sure. Shoot. I just told you off off air that I really should have gone for a run before this podcast because my mind was all over the place and I was having trouble like really getting the, the questions out. Um, So I can relate to that even now, even at almost 41 years old, never mind uh, <laughs> early 20s. So as you were progressing, right, you've seen these, these monumental improvements. All of a sudden, you're, you're eclipsing the four-hour mark in the third marathon and, and you know, really doing some interesting things as a runner. At what point did your... Did you become really kind of goal not goal centric, but start to have goals associated with the race that were more than just, hey, I want to be active. This is really good for my mental health. 
And this is just something that I like that I've, this kind of fits my lifestyle because here you are, again, almost 20 years later, this is still a major part of your life. So when did it move from it's a part of my life that I enjoy to like, hey, this is maybe a central part of my life in some ways? Right. I, I would say um, I think when I first qualified for Boston and I realized that I could compete a little bit more in it, I didn't know a lot about Boston and you know, a lot of people have that as their main goal. That was not necessarily ever my goal, but I just kept improving and improving. And then wham, bam, I made Boston. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And then, you know, to experience that race was just an incredible deal. And I, I definitely, so I've, I've ran in Boston six times and, um, this last one was definitely the most special to me. I think I appreciate it more and more every time I go. Um, I did not get to experience it in 2013 during the bombing. I did most of my Boston's have been before I had kids. And then I took, I did take a little bit of time off from marathons while I was raising little kids. Cause there's just not enough time for that. Um, but I just have always felt about the marathon that there's just always room for improvement. Um, you know, you run a race and you're unhappy about this or you're unhappy about that. And I just feel like there's just always room to do something better. All right. Let's talk about those early years because you were and I, because we we're roughly the same age, um, kind of had a similar experience in terms of like we were kind of there as a lot of like social media matured from like, it's literal infancy to now it being kind of a central part of so many people's lives and how that affects what we know in terms of like different things in life, right? Like you mentioned, like here you are running the Chicago marathon every year and not really understanding what Boston is, which is kind of an odd, like you would never hear that now, right? Like if you're running a world marathon major, you're very aware of what the other world marathon majors are. Um, that's just not what you would see now, but it's certainly understandable back then. So what would you, you know, you're a coach and you, you, you've been coaching runners for a while now. So how do you compare kind of your entry into the marathon and kind of like the, the more, I guess, laid back approach that you were able to take in terms of ingratiating yourself into the community and learning as you go versus where you see maybe some of your, your clients or just athletes in general who are, are kind of like, on some degree, at least from a social media perspective, maybe kind of thrown into the deep end in terms of comparing themselves to other people and being very aware, uh, if they want to be, of, of kind of the, the climate around different races and where maybe they stack up to the field. Right. I I definitely feel like I feel like social media is a blessing and a curse because, you know, there's so much support on Instagram for the running community and that has been absolutely incredible. But you just see what every runner is doing every day and you're constantly comparing yourself. And, you know, when I get new runners who inquire about coaching and they're like, my main goal is to qualify for Boston and they might be like a 4:30 marathon and they need to go three 30. And I'm like, well, hold up. That's not, you know, <laughs> I mean that, that that's great to have a big gigantic goal and to eventually get there because, you know, I, I did that. I dropped that kind of time, but it's also important to enjoy the running and to, you know, just make little improvements here and there. And, but the, the major thing is to enjoy what you're doing and that will help you do it long-term. 
Right. We we touched on this point, not like on purpose, but this this comes up quite a bit, right? How you just mentioned it, Stephanie Flippin has been on here several times mentioning the same thing and, and her evolution as a runner. And now she's a professional runner, for goodness sakes. And then even Allie Feller talks about this even right now that she she actively cultivates this kind of feeling with her running, even as someone who literally spends her life um, from a professional standpoint in the running community and has done that for a while now. And, and I think it really is a healthy way of looking at it. Again, it's, and it's, it's not as if you're saying like, don't care about your goals or don't try to, you know, strive for, for, for awesome things. And it can be, I think, you know, and I'd love to hear your, your perspective on this, but it can be hard, especially for certain kinds of people to thread that needle between having goals and being goal oriented and motivated around those goals, but also enjoying kind of like the little things and the everyday, everydayness of, of running that can, you know, that can kind of lay the foundation for enjoying the activity. Right. I mean, you have to remember why you're running. Is, are you running only to make Boston and then what happens after Boston? Or, I mean, that's a great just... question. Let's ask you, do, did you feel any different as a person or runner once you like have, have reached certain accomplishments or was it, or was it something else that maybe you didn't expect? Um, you know, after you have a PR kind of race, I think there's always the letdown because you know, you're training and training and training and, you're having this great cycle or whatever, and then you do a, a race and have a PR, and then it's kind of like, well, now what? I just trained my butt off, and how do you get any better? Um, you just always have to have goals. Make a new goal. Learn how to um, fuel right during your race and not get sick. I used to get so sick after my runs, and I don't anymore because I'm fueling properly, and I enjoy the easy runs, and there's just so many things to take care of when you're training for a marathon, you know, nutrition and strength training. And it's kind of like a full-time job, <laughs> you know, for sure. We spoke to Rachel Gersten um, a couple weeks ago about that post marathon dip that many people can experience. And oftentimes that can be associated with this idea of like, well, if it didn't go great, or if, um, you know, even if you, someone didn't have a goal going into the race, maybe they just had a hard day out there and they can be like, Oh, that was a hard day. And then there's the letdown of like, all right, now this isn't even in my schedule for the next two weeks. And that's just that, that, that weird feeling. However, we can experience that even off of a high because when we have these big goals, oftentimes it's about like, all right, if I get that, then I will have this some sort of contentment or this elevated sense of happiness once I reach that goal. And I don't know about you, but that hasn't exactly been my experience when I've reached certain goals. The level of contentment? Yeah, like it really hasn't changed. It's like it's almost like the it's almost like the day after a birthday when you when like <laughs> someone asks like the little kid like, "Hey, you're ten. Do you feel any? Does it feel like to be 10 You're like, "I don't know. I feel like the same, yeah. same as yesterday." I'm still I guess. a runner. Still gonna go on my runs and do the same thing I always did. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's important to celebrate the small victories, though. So, like, you know, I just set a big PR in Richmond, and I think it's important to. Be happy about that for a little bit, but also you need to remember that you're just a runner and <laughs> you need to go on with your life. Right. All right. So let's talk about that because again, here you are setting a, mar a, a PR enrichment. So let, what, let's go into some of the things that kind of led to that. Okay. Again, you've been doing this for a while. You're a dedicated athlete. You coach athletes. So you have a really good perspective on kind of the, the natural arc of certain things and also how we can, you know, get better over time, which you certainly have been able to do. So what about 
Richmond, but even more importantly, the months and years leading into Richmond allowed you allowed you to have that that race on that day. So in 2018, I think it was, I ran the Indy Monumental Half Marathon and I qualified for New York City at that race for the New York. So with a half marathon, you can qualify for New York City full marathon. And um, I actually had decided after Boston of 2017 that I was going to take a break from marathons for a little bit because it was very frustrating for me. I hit kind of a lull in my times and I started hitting four hour marks all the time after I had been down in like the three thirties for a while. And I was like, this just isn't fun. So I decided to try for half marathons and my friend messaged me. Um, I remember being at my daughter's swim meet and I got a text from her and it said, Hey, you qualified for New York city with your half. So come out of retirement. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I mean, that's a, you know, an epic race. I can't say no to this. And so, um, I think, you know, within a couple of weeks I contacted a coach and I was like, I've qualified for New York city. I've, you know, hit this weird spot in my training and I'm not getting any better. I would love to use you to help me get through New York city. So, um, in 2019, I did Carmel Marathon in the spring, and I had a terrible race. I didn't fuel right. I mean, it, terrible race for what I was expecting, basically. Um, I have since changed my outlook on my races, and so basically I kind of go into them with a goal of see how you're doing in the moment, and then that's your goal for that day, which has really helped my outlook. But on that day when I did Carmel Marathon, it wasn't a great race. I had to walk a little bit. And then she was like, that's okay. You know, New York is your main goal. And so I, you know, put my big girl tennis shoes on and ran super hard for training. And then in New York city, I set a PR of a three fifteen, Um, and it was an amazing day, you know, just it's a hard race and it just, when it all comes together, it just feels so great. And I was 42 years old at the time. So it was 2019. And then um, I stopped working with my coach at the time. And then I got injured after. So COVID came for 2020 and I got injured, probably running too much, too fast on my own. Um, I also wanted to say that with having a coach, I decided I wanted to become a coach. So that was when I went to coaching a certification class for RRCA in October of 2019. So just before New York City, I wanted to learn a little bit more about the coaching aspect of running and seeing how I could get involved in the community a little bit more. Um, so I started my own business right, probably right after New York City happened. And then COVID came in March of just in time, Just in time for all the races to get canceled. Yeah, exactly. So it was really not good timing. But um, so then in May of 2020, I tore my calf muscle oh. doing a lot, you know, too much training, running really hard all the time. And I was like, wow, I'm not doing anything that I learned in coaching. <laughs> this is really not very smart. So it I had to take a month off of running and then basically it felt like I was starting at ground zero. Um, so, so that was in 2020. 
the spring of 2020. And then I did my first marathon post-injury in September of 2020. It was just a small race. And at that point, I was like, I'm just going to run this how I'm feeling today. And based on my training, I know I'm kind of around an eight-minute mile right now. And it's really hard to reset. And just, you know, coming off of a 315 PR marathon, and here I am going for whatever, you know, 330. And that's a really good time for me, honestly. So I've done, um, at the time I had done, I think New York City was my 20th marathon, or maybe my 21st. And I had done maybe half of them under 330. So for me to go for a 330, that was a good goal. Um, And I hit it at that race. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll just keep moving forward from here. And that's something hard that runners have to face is that your fitness level is not based on your PR. It's based on where you are today or this week or whatever. Like you can't, you know, train based on your time from five years ago or that's what people always look at. And it drives me crazy because right, like, so it's like when people train, like I'm training at my goal marathon pace. You're like, oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> How about you train for your current level of fitness? Right. And so, you know, so all throughout this re- recovery from my injury, I have been really good about doing what I can in the moment. And so like I continued to do marathons after that one and I did, they were all small. So I did another one in November and I got a little bit faster. I went a 322 in November and then I did Carmel marathon um, in 2021. And I went an 18, a 318, which was my second best marathon ever. And so I'm like, I'm coming back. This is incredible. And then um, I did, I think, Oh, I did Toledo right after Carmel. It was like three weeks after Carmel, which is kind of crazy. But um, that one, I had stomach issues. And so I was proud of my time because you just do what you can on each race. And then I did then boss. Oh, I did an ultra marathon then over the summer. I did 100K, which was kind of interesting. It's a different world. So um, but then it. I was trained. My ultimate goal was Boston to train for Boston and have a great race there, but it's a hard course and you just never for any race, you never know what's going to happen. And you kind of just, you know, your stomach could drop, you could get a leg cramp, you could something, your sleep might've been off that week. So I always try to just live in the moment and, you know, go out and if you feel good, then go with it. And if you don't feel good, then back off and just run from there. Um, so Boston, I went a 328 this year, which was my best Boston ever. And I was really happy with it. And it was not the perfect race, but it felt amazing. The crowds were amazing. It was just a really good day. Um, and then I knew during Boston, I had Richmond coming up also. And so between Boston and Richmond, I had about five weeks I think it was, or almost five weeks of training, or, you know, five weeks time in between both of them. And so I did a couple 16 milers, I think, and they were probably pretty close to race pace around. My goal was to be around 730 if I could. And um, then I did mainly easy miles and I just kind of extended my taper from Boston and I felt amazing. (laughs) 
And so going into Richmond, you know, people were like, what's your time goal? And so I hesitantly said 320. And I wanted to start off in the 745s on the day. It was a per- perfect weather, you know, 45 degrees, sunny. Um, I felt amazing. And so I just went with it. And I knew during the race it was going to be my best one ever. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just crazy because it was my 27th marathon. I'm 44 years old. I'd been through a lot. And it was my day, I guess. It sure was, Tracy. All right, so three fourteen twenty seven on that day. I'm getting that from the Abbott World Marathon Majors website, and I'll, we'll talk about that. So, why I'm getting it from that website in a second, um, which is phenomenal. Obviously, you you kind of sped up as you went. You talked about kind of the the, the year, two years, three years leading into that. Um, so you you know, you obviously ran really well. You had some races that were again. In that same genre of like, you know, eight, eight minute mile pace or so, do the, the, the ultra marathon. What about your training or, you know, or just maybe your patience? But what about what do you think, looking back on it, differentiated the last couple of years or the last the last year in terms of getting you to the point where 314 was possible? Um, and maybe things, maybe you changed or maybe it was just that you didn't change anything and it was just the consistency building up. What, what, what were some of the factors that you think led into this performance? Two things that I know for sure helped were slowing down my easy runs. I used to go, well, back in the day, I used to go all my runs at like an eight minute pace. Every single run was eight minute. I never did any speed work. I never did anything. And then I, you know, I ran that as my marathon pace until I died. And then (laughs) during races, but I, I now go pretty typically my easy run pace is like a nine 30. I did my run today, nine 21, six miles and nine 21. I love my easy runs and they really helped me. Um, the second thing that I changed was my fueling. I never fueled before Carmel of 2000 and, I think it was 19 that I did that caramel before New York City. I had I didn't know how to fuel properly. And that was something I learned not from my coach, but I learned online on the in the Instagram running community. Um, I used to get sick all the time. And so I started taking salt stick tablets during my runs. And that helped prevent me from getting ill. And also I used the Martin gels, you know, pretty I do them during training. I do them during, you know, fast runs. And so your stomach is used to it during the race. And I haven't had a severe wall hitting since before I was 40. So I've had some great marathons um, as a master's runner. I think it's because we're smarter, right? There you go. Yeah. Experienced, right? We're not yeah. old. We're experienced. Um, yeah. So what about the, the easy runs easier improved what you were doing? Right. So um, whether it's health or pace or whatever, what 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 about doing that led to uh, positive things for your running? So it helps you recover. Um, I definitely have noticed that the miles are harder now as I'm getting older. You know, like I I have increased my miles a ton since um, since COVID. (laughs) I do. I last year I did twenty four hundred in the year. This year I'm looking over that. 
Um, I mean, that's a lot of miles. And so going slower helps you recover better. I don't do a ton of speed work. I do more marathon pace stuff, but this allows me to hit those paces on the longer runs. Um, It helps, you know, like take the pressure off of your runs because, you know, those speed work days cause a lot of stress and anxiety. They don't for me anymore because I don't, I'm not coached by anybody, but I know that, I know that for a lot of people, they feel like failures if they don't hit those times. And so I just, I really enjoy the easy days. No pressure. You just do whatever you want. And it allows you to have more fun. You can take pictures of random things you see and, you know, just be more relaxed about your running. And you get all the benefits, right? So this is the thing I tell oh, a lot of runners, and we, we talk about this on the show all the time, is that as long as you're not running in a way that's going to make your form sloppy and, you know, potentially lead to injury, that, like, Slowing down the easy runs doesn't change any of the positive things that comes from comes from the easy run. So, you know, building up your aerobic system, your mitochondrial density and all that stuff, um, you know, just even for maybe more inexperienced runners, just building up your body's tolerance to the miles. Right. Obviously, that's not a problem for you, given your experience. But for for people who are kind of entering this world or getting back into this world after some time off, that's it's a huge part of the deal as well. Um, so they're still getting all of those things by slowing down and while also still recovering from their last run and or being ready to, to kick butt again at their next workout. Right. And time on your feet is really important for racing, too. For sure. Especially someone who's been you know doing so much marathon stuff. So Tracy. You posted a couple days ago, and this is something that's been on my radar for a while because I think it was Susan Loken was the first person uh, who came on this podcast to talk about this. Um, It was three years ago. So the World Masters Marathon Championships because she was aware of it. And it was like she had been contacted, I think, by the organizers right when they announced it. And they were like, hey, we're doing this. I think it was like beginning of like end of 2018. They're like, we're starting this. We know you're kind of in that area of an athlete. We'd love for you to like make a push for it and you know make this part of your calendar. And I think some other people have been you know contacted by them as well in that same way. And she came on pod and started talking about it. But then COVID hit and the whole thing just kind of disappeared. <laughs> and I had forgotten about it a little bit and would kind of remember it every once in a while. And then this year, it's back with Abandon. And you posted just the other day that because of your performances at Richmond, as we mentioned, the 314, also the 328 at Boston, you are currently ranked in your five-year age group segment, 33rd in the U.S. and 69th in the world at the marathon for the Abbott World Marathon (laughs) championships first of all when did you become aware of this and for people saying what is this don't worry we'll take a deep dive into what it is but when did you even become aware that this was a thing so i have a friend who did london last year and was doing it for for the world major age group championships and so i heard about it through that but i didn't even know how to sign up or anything Um, and then i had a friend message me this summer and was like we should sign up for this because it the virtual race or the live race takes has to take place over the same weekend of Richmond. And so I was like, Oh, okay. So you just have to sign up. And I think we paid $15 to, you know, be able to be eligible for that race that weekend for this age group championship. And then, you know, you just run it and wait and see what happens. Um, 
you have no idea how anybody else is going to do. And they also can do a virtual race, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I, you know, I was excited because I knew it was going to be in London again. And I've always wanted to go do that race, which is really hard to get into through the lottery if you're an American. So, um, I got notified by Abbott right after the race. And of course I forgot to set my, um, my Garmin as public. <laughs> and so, you know, they have to be able to verify your results. And they were like, make sure you have your Garmin or whatever app you're using to connect as public so we can see it. And so I was worried that I ruined it for myself, but luckily they were flexible. And that's how I just got notified this week about it. Right. Because so you, you signed up for a kind of like a qualifying race, which is, you know, one thing. And the other thing that you can do is you can be in kind of the top, again, it depends on the age group. So say for the 40 to 44 group um, and things like that, or, you know, yeah, it goes by five year segments is that there's a certain amount of people per group, say like the top, again, so the 40 to 44s, the top 100 worldwide are invited. And then, you know, as you go down, I think it's like for like, say the 75s, it's like the top 20 and, and things like that. So we're going to link to all this stuff in the show notes. Don't worry. And we're going to talk about this a lot because I think this is really exciting because um, no, not many people know about this. I was texting to a lot of friends this week about like, hey, do you know about this? And I'm like looking up their <laughs> numbers on the world rankings page because- you mentioned you signed up, but that's not a prerequisite to be part of this. That's just to, in order to have like that specific race experience that you had. But how this works for, for the vast majority of people is they take the two top races that you have in a calendar year out of the 140 some odd races that are qualifying races around the world. And a lot of them, a lot of races people are signing up for will we'll count for this. And they take your two top races and they have like basically a point system from 1,000 to 4,000. And then however points you get, if you're in the top 100 or whatever your age group is, then you can get invited. And the marathon champion, the World Masters Marathon Championships is part of the London Marathons. You go to the London Marathon, and you know you you're not gonna. This isn't like the betrothals. They're not gonna pay for it, you. Know? But you know, you <laughs> right. you pay. You go, and um, it's just this whole big thing, and it's so interesting because normally. Something like this, where you're talking about like, hey, being part of the world's best, you're like, well, why would this be on an amateur podcast? But I think this is, and I can't wait to talk to you about this, is that this isn't like, this isn't something that like normal everyday people can't aspire to. I think you look at the times on there, you see people who are are in the mix, not because they are these unbelievable world-class talents, but because they've been consistent over time and they're healthy and they continue to run and run and run. And all of a sudden, not they're improving, but a lot of people are taking a step back and all of a sudden they're at the, the front of the line, almost unbeknownst to them. I know there's people on this <laughs> list who don't even know that they are as close <laughs> as they are to being part of this. And it's like, this is not like just for the world's best athletes necessarily from a talent perspective, you know, in terms of like, hey, I'm going to be in the Olympic Games and I'm going to be in the World Marathon Masters majors. <laughs> this is so interesting because I feel like so many people listening to this could potentially be like, hey, I wonder how I would do in terms of these world rankings. And could I be maybe not go, but potentially be in the mix to, to even like consider it? Because I feel like it's it's pretty wide open, all things considered. Right. It's it's just a really cool thing to shoot for. I mean, to say that you get to be a part of it is an honor. You know, I'm I'm really excited to get to go. And obviously, 
you know, my time is not, it's, it's I, I run a fast marathon, but it's not like I'm placing top 10 at any, you know, crazy fast marathons or anything like that. And it's just really cool to get to be a part of it. And yeah, everybody should look it up and see where they are ranked. It's it's a lot of bigger marathons, right? In the listing of the 140. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, it's, uh, again, it's marathons that most people have heard of, but not necessarily, right? Like, I'm going to look at, like, the qualifying races right now. Um, I sent a list to um, to Peter Bromka the other day because him and I text all the time about this kind of stuff because it's always fun. But it's, <laughs> like... But again, this is a international event, so it's not going to be, you know, you know, every race like your local 5K. But at the same time, like the Providence Marathon is part of it, right? No, not many people are traveling around the world for the Providence Marathon. But at the same time, you have like <laughs> the Publix Atlanta Marathon, the Publix Florida Marathon, the Egyptian Marathon. Um, these are races that are happened in the spring. I'm just kind of going chronologically here. Um, the Kazan Marathon, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Marathon. Like, So these aren't necessarily like, oh, if I don't get into the World Marathon Majors, I can't do it. Like, right. There is going to be marathons near you yeah. that qualify for this. And as this expands, I guarantee you the qualifying race list will also expand. Right. And it doesn't have to be Boston Marathon. It can be you did you did an amazing job in your age group at this marathon and now you get to go to the world championships. I mean, that's pretty cool. For sure. All right. So this is so this is interesting. All right. So we're going to shoot through. We'll talk about like um I'm going to go to the 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 menu here because some people are going to listen to this and they're like, "Okay, wait, hold on. Tracy just ran a 3:14, right?" <laughs> That's amazing. That's outside of my current realm of possibility. First of all, I would say, first of all, don't sell yourself short. Second of all, even if that is the case, again, you're ranked right now 33rd in America. So that's, <laughs> that's like, crazy. that's a huge thing. So <laughs> that, let, let's not, let's not sniff at that. Let's, all right, let's look at age group 40 to 44 and then United States. So I'm literally typing this in while we're on the pod. I know great audio. Everyone can thank you <laughs> later. Um, all right. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think is ranked number one in the U.S. in this age group and number two? And she's also number two in the world. Wow. I have no idea. The thing is, you do know. This is like one of those like funny, tricky questions. I mean, like, you know who the person is. You might not know is the answer to the question. But... Stephanie Flippin? No, because she hasn't run two marathons this year. Uh, Shalane okay. Flanagan. Oh, who ran wow. Six. So she wow. is. I'm, so, I'm on her tail. <laughs> There you go. So everyone's like, all right, well, Shalane Flanagan. Well, I can't like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm no, I'm no Shalane Flanagan. So what, what does that mean? Well, let's go to the top 100 females in America on this list, which is, you know, a pretty august group of people, right? You're like top 100 in the U.S. and the World Masters Marathon Championships for my age group. I could, you know, I don't know if I could do that. Well, I'm just looking up. This is Meg Verstegen, who's, who's the, who's the 100th female in the U.S., in the 40 to 44 age group. She ran London in 318 and she ran the New York City Marathon in 338. Fantastic times. No question right. about it. Meg, great job. <laughs> you are a superstar. With that said, there's plenty of people who are listening to this podcast who have the potential to do just that. And I think this is the really exciting thing is that for a lot of people that get that BQ, and that's a huge goal. You talked about it before. And then it's like, well, what's my next goal? I don't know if I could qualify for the Olympic trials. Also, like, that's not really like the age yeah. group that I'm in. 
So what else, what other big goals are there? And I feel like this fits in so nicely into that gray area. Right. That's true. I mean, it's a huge, a huge accomplishment to get to go to London just in general. And then to say that you're top, you know, competing for the United States is awesome or wherever you're coming from. Competing for your country is just really cool. Right. And like now that you went from like, I, I you know, I'm not really sure what this is to like all of a sudden, all right, I'm aware of it. My friend's doing it. So all of a sudden like, hey, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. Like, what's it like for you to have this kind of this new thing on your plate and also something that's not going away, right? Because if you stay consistent, which you have been for a number of years, like this could be part of your, you know, your your goal matrix or that's a really weird phrase. But anyway, <laughs> some of the coolest things that you're considering um, from for, for a while now, if you so choose. Right. Yeah, you just, I guess you just try to keep, improving on your ranking now. I don't know exactly. It's, it's all been kind of overwhelming, really. You know, I'm just a runner. <laughs> no, but it's fun. Have you run London before? I have not. And that's the I've other tried thing. tried to get London, in, Getting but... into London, you know, it's super hard. Yeah. I think I've tried three times in the lottery. And then every year, I'm so excited when I apply because I try to be positive and I'm like, I'm going to, this is my year. I'm going to get in. And then you get the rejection letter and you're like, oh, I suck. Right. Even though it's just totally random, I'm sure. But but then 2022. Yeah. It's got to be on go. the list, right? I mean, there's no way you're turning that down. No, I'm I'm going. Yeah. Unless, you know, we got to see what COVID, what happens with COVID. But <laughs> Right. But it's like you're, you're writing that in pen on the calendar, like yeah. London Marathon. Um, yeah. So now that basically the key to this is that you have to run too. So even if you die, even if you like, even if you went and you won the Chicago Marathon next year, or you say you won London, right? Well, no, because they'd probably invite you back if you win. Let's just say you won a world marathon major that isn't London. You still wouldn't qualify for this because you wouldn't have enough points because you basically have to run two marathons in a calendar year, and that's the cutoff. So it can't be like two marathons one year apart. It has to be two within a calendar year. So the excitement that you're currently experiencing with this and then the potential of going to London, all of that, are you looking at next year like, okay, I want to make sure I get two marathons in because I want to kind of keep this train moving? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of one of those, I'm not necessarily a qualified marathon maniac. I think you have to do three within 90 days or I don't know what their rule is. They have a weird one. It's something like two within two weeks and then three within 90 days. And I haven't <laughs> quite done that before. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um but I do have, I have Boston next year and then, so then in London, I guess, for sure. Oh, so then you'll be good. Yeah. So, it's two, so one in the spring, one in the fall, and obviously London would, would count as a race for the following years. Well, this is really exciting. Tracy, I am so excited by this and I am trying to get people on board with going after this because I think it's really fun. And what the OTQ is for so many people, especially the 2020 OTQ uh, was especially for women's running how it really changed the game for a lot of people who were past worrying about whether or not they could qualify for Boston, but didn't really have a next goal. Um, and the, the sub three was always interesting, but it wasn't like, it was interesting, but it was also just kind of like arbitrary, right? It didn't lead to a thing, right? It wasn't like, I got sub three and then this was my reward. The reward was internal. Whereas like getting OTQ is like, now I get to go to Atlanta. I feel like this is such an interesting thing for so many people to really strive for. Right. It's nice that they've started doing this. I think wasn't last year the first year they officially did 
the age group championship. They did because they it started three years ago, but they they, they have to like wait a year, right? So like the people like like you, you qualified through your 2021 races, but you don't race until fall of 2022. So they started in 2019, but then the 2020 London was canceled. Yeah. So right. or at least the the elites ran right, but they didn't right. have the, the 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 main race. So um, yeah. So this has just kind of like been on hold for a while, and I think and uh, hopefully we get someone from Abbott to come on to talk about this. Not Abbott, but the 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 infrastructure of the people who set this up because actually they were supposed to come on two years ago to talk about this right before everything got canceled so it'd be <laughs> nice to talk to them about this because again as everyone can tell as the fact that i've said it now i think seven different times this is really exciting <laughs> i'm such i'm so on board with this um and i'm so happy for you that you were able Thank to you. accomplish it uh besides this fun and exciting adventure for 2022. I have to ask because it's December 17th and the new year is coming quick. What other goals do you have or just how do you approach each new year and, and things that you want to get done? Um, I would say big goals for 2022 will be to get strength training on board on board with strength training because I don't do a lot of that and getting my nutrition back in check because I eat a lot of Snickers and candy and I have not been very good about that this time. I, I just feel like, like I said earlier, there's a lot of improvement that can be done in a marathon cycle. And this time I think I'll work a little bit more on, on that. And I do, I have a little spin bike that I do um, once a week. So I do the Peloton app for that. So I will try to focus a little less on the running and a little more on other things. Um, and see how that goes, I guess, training for Boston. Um, I do I do think that a lot of people overtrain, and maybe I'll undertrain a little bit <laughs> and see how that goes and work on other aspects of my non-running stuff to get stronger, I guess. Well, kicking butt on the bike can definitely get <laughs> those glutes rocking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's, it's, it's certainly something that if you're not going to – someone's not going to really embrace – the weight training, like doing a hard bike session or just putting a lot of time in on the bike. Um, not necessarily instead of easy runs all the time, but like maybe it's an interesting double or maybe once a week, throw it in there. Or if you're just, you know, you, you know, especially in the winter, right? If you're in a, in a, in a spot where running outside is tough, like hopping on the bike, really, again, I've talked about it with, with my own, with my own health. Like it, it definitely strengthened my legs in a way that I found to be beneficial. Yeah. And I don't have a treadmill, so it's all or nothing. I got to run in the snow or you know, stay inside and do nothing. And I don't have a gym membership. So you have to get kind of creative, I guess. There you go. So you're in Indiana still? Yeah. All right. So is it, how is the winter weather around you? You know, I used to, so back in the day, in my early running, um, I would take the winters off, kind of like a bear. I would go hibernate <laughs> and do Pilates or yoga or whatever. But um, I've found that I really enjoy running in the cold and it, you know, helps with my mental health, getting the fresh air, even if it's dark because I run before the kids are up or, um, you know, you're not getting the vitamin D like you probably need, but still even just the fresh air helps. And I even enjoy running on the fresh snow as not, as long as it's not slippery uh, or you just slow it way down and you just say, I don't care today. I'm just getting my exercise. Um, but there are some days where it's, negative and you get the, you know, the lash sickles and you have to wear the face mask and it, those are hard. 
Um, there it is. I That's just, the word I've been looking for for a year. The lashicles. I keep calling yeah. them like the, the icicles <laughs> on people's. Yeah, there it is. Lashicles. I like it. Yeah, That's perfect. They're, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, they're, I'm not enjoyable, but they make for a great picture. Right. Yeah. I had a friend in Michigan who ran with me. Like we would run at the same time in the morning, and then he would post his pictures and his stories of his lashicles, and I would have mine. And you couldn't tell who was who because we had our balaclavas on and you know it was kind of fun at least other people are doing it with you you know there you go there you go and it's pretty badass as well to see that (laughs) it's like hey look what i did yeah tracy congratulations on all the success it was so nice to meet you in person even better to have you on the show thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me matt it was really fun tracy thank you so much for coming on the show so much fun talking with you. Big shout out to Brio as well. Go check them out at us.brio.com forward slash rambling runner to save 20% today. We will be back next Monday for our next episode. No episode later on this week and no episode later on next week. So we have two back-to-back one episode weeks, but don't worry. Got it concentrated. A lot of goodness in these episodes. That's for sure. You're going to like it. I have no doubts. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.